You're listening to the preaching podcast of the Amazing Grace Baptist Church located in Mount Airy, North Carolina, where Dr. Jonathan Barker is the pastor. We pray that the following message will be a blessing to you. The book of Ezekiel this morning, chapter number 37. Oh, gosh. If you find your place, please stand with us this morning and if you know God, I desire your prayers. I desire your prayers. I don't know how this is going to go. Never outlined. I don't, I don't ever outline like this before. God help us this morning. Ezekiel chapter number 37, verse number 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. And caused me to pass by them about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man. Here it is, guys. Kids, y'all listen. Mom and daddy, y'all listen this morning. Can these bones live? When I answered, O Lord God. Thou knowest. Let's get down to verse number 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. Behold, a shaking. And the bones came together. Bone to his bone. Oh, God. God, you know what we need this morning? Oh, God, we know, you know exactly where we're at. You know exactly where we stand. God, you know what's on my heart this morning, God. God, we stand in a place where we're so unworthy to stand, God. God, if you ask me to go to a Sunday school class and hide, I will, God. God, if you ask me to sit down, I'll sit down, God. This is bigger than me, God. This is bigger than me, God. Oh, God, I'm begging you this morning, God, to help us this morning. God, I'm begging you, God, to touch your word, God. Let your word cut deep this morning, God. God, if you said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto you. God, I pray, God, if I lift you up this morning, that you'll draw all men unto you, God. Oh, God, please help us this morning, God. Oh, God, fill us up, God. God, fill us up this morning, God. Oh, God, I pray, God, you to help us, God, this morning, God. Oh, God, help us. We need you, God. Then God, I pray, God, that you'll just convict sinners this morning, God. And God, I pray, God, that you'll help us, God. Your name we pray. Amen. Ezekiel. What a man. What a man. You want to realize it's just best bigger than you? Study out Ezekiel. You'll find out he's bigger than you. Not Ezekiel, God. God's bigger than any person in here. Donald Trump came and sat on the front pew. We'd welcome him in. It was bigger than him. Bigger than him. Oh God, he's big this morning. He's big. When we find Ezekiel in chapter number one, we find him in, uh, um, we find him in a place, and that's what I want to look at as, as way of introduction. I, I get, I, I just want the Lord to preach this morning. I'm telling you, I don't even know which way to turn. I don't know what words to even say on this page. 
Because God, He's so good to us this morning. I'm telling you, He's so good. But in chapter number 1, we find Ezekiel, and uh, we see his placement. He is just by the river of Chabar. He's just by the river. And if you know anything about your Bible, you know that water, the representation of the Holy Spirit. And he was just sitting there by the river. He was just hanging out, waiting on God. That's where he was at. We see his perception. (laughs) He got to see into glory. He got to see the throne room of God. He's seen it come down out of heaven. Study that out there. That's that's an amazing piece of glory that he got to see. We see his purpose. Chapter number 1. And going into chapter number 2. We see his purpose. Well, he had a call to stand in verse number one of chapter number two. He had a call to go uh, in verse number, or I'm sorry, he had a call to stand in verse number one of chapter number two. He had a call to go in verse number two of chapter number two. Uh, he, he had a call to be not afraid in verse number six of chapter number two. He had a call to hear in, cha- in verse eight of chapter number two. Hey, God called him. He said, son of man, son of man. That's all we are today. We're son of a wicked man. We're wicked this morning. No matter who you are, no matter where you stand at, you're wicked this morning. I'm wicked this morning. You said you just went and spent three nights at a prayer retreat. I'm wicked this morning. I'm as wicked as a drunk on the street. The only difference between me and him is I'm forgiven. That's the only difference. The only, stand, the only thing that stands between me and a murder in jail is that I'm forgiven for what I've done. That's the only difference. He's got flesh like I got flesh. You got flesh like I got flesh. We all, in the eyes of God, it's us. That's it. That's the only difference between us and them. We got a call that we got to do. And uh, I want to look today at, uh, we're going to go, and I'm going to do some more introduction, but I want something to be pondered on your mind as I go through this. We separate our churches without even separating our church. We put adults here. And you make it to a plateau, like it's a, and that's what happens in our adult life. And if you know anything about a plateau, it's flat on top. It never goes up. There's some cracks along the way, so at some places it goes down, but it never goes up above that certain point. Then we have the kids. Then we have the youth. We don't intentionally do it, but we separate them. It's like, well, it's our God and their God. The same God that Cassie called out to to help her this morning is the same God I called out to help me this morning. The same God that Maddie called out to to help her this morning is the same God that Ezekiel called out to in the Valley of the Dry Bones. The same God he was talking to. There's no, we, we, we forget that that's like that. So y'all ponder that while we go through this. You ponder what it's like. We think about the valley, and he was led out in the midst of the valley here in verse number, uh, uh, in verse number one, uh, a valley that was full of bones. Their valley, valleys have two characteristics. Um, they're, they're in our Bible. They're got, they're either a low place or a low land. That's a valley, or a place between two mountains. And I was wondering why were these bones where they were at? I'm not a military guy. I spent the weekend in a hotel room. Who's a guy? He's a he's an undercover narcotics officer, and he was trying to share me some things of how they clear a room, and it was pretty cool. I mean, but I still don't know nothing about it. Um, but I was thinking about this: if I was going to fight somebody, if I was going to fight Adam, and I want to get the upper hand on him, 
Why would I go down so low if I was going to try to get the hand, get, get it? Why are they in the valley? I, I ponder that as well. There was the bone, the valley was full of bones. Think about this right here. The human body has 206 bones in it. Let's say that in, for instance, we don't know how many men that was in this army, uh, of the valley, of the, with the bones. And we know the story. I didn't read all of the story, but we know the story. The valley is full of bones from, uh, from an army that, that, that Ezekiel's seeing. And I'm, we don't know how big that army is. But I said, think about this. David had a, David had his, his bodyguards. There was 600 men. So let's take and figure maybe there was 600 men in that valley. Think about this right here. In that case, they would have been 123,600 bones laid out in that valley. That would have been a sight to see, wouldn't it? 6,180 pounds worth of bones laid out there. Three tons worth of bones laid in this valley. Three tons of bones. Might as well say a dump truck load of bones. When I look out to this auditorium today and and I looked in the mirror this morning, I looked in the mirror yesterday and two weeks ago when the Lord laid this on my heart, I seen a bunch of bones. So all I seen was a bunch of bones. In the Old Testament, battles were different than they are today. Uh, battles were, you pretty much knew your enemy was coming. I, I've always wondered if I'm going to fight somebody, if, and I'm going to try to get the upper hand on it. I ain't going to scream that I'm coming some two miles away. Uh, I was watching some documentary last night on, on YouTube, and I, I don't understand why they would scream. I can't, I can't wrap my head around that. Why scream and say, hey, I'm coming? Be sneaky. I mean, do these people didn't know nothing about being sneaky? I mean, I, I, that, and, and every time you see, you hear them, they're wielding that sword. Could you imagine them video and them, them movies where they like it? They're saying, ah! I mean, could you imagine what that was like? I got to laugh this morning, guys. <laughs> the devil's fought me over this. So if we look at that valley on the battlefield, it would have been a very ugly battle. It had been a very ugly field at one point. They're all dry at this point, but at one point, that was a very ugly, ugly valley. It was a very bloody valley. It was. So I want to look at a few things this morning on that valley. Y'all all know the story. There ain't nothing new under the sun. But number one today, I want to look at the question that was not asked. Ezekiel, there was a question here not asked. And say, preacher, what's that question? Well, it's the same question I asked about when I first read this. What happened to the bones? What happened to the flesh that was on the bones? What happened to them? Ezekiel chapter number 20, the Bible tells us what happens to them. Verse number 3, the Bible says, Son of man, speak unto the elders of Israel, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Are ye come to inquire of me as I live, saith the Lord God? Mm. Sad words right here. These are words from God to the elders of Israel. I will not be inquired of by you. What words? God spoke, that don't sound, that don't sound like the God the preacher on the TV tells us about. See, is that a different God? Yeah, our God is a God of peace. Our God is a God of love. But because we have a God of love, we got a God of judgment as well. Our preacher preached a message one time on the fear of, of standing in front of an angry God. 
At this point, Israel was standing in the presence of an angry God. And if God were to look at our churches today and see the separation of the adult and the, the adults and the children, I'd hate to say that he would not be happy. Because he knows it's the same God. He knows I, I talk to them just like I talk to you. We're all the same. We're all equal. It's, I don't want to get ahead of myself. He said, inquire to seek. He said, you're not even going to seek me. If you seek me, you ain't going to find me. That's why they ended up in that valley. That's why they ended up in a place where they had no advantage over the enemy. They was in a val valley where the enemy had all the advantage over them. You want to know why we're losing our young people this morning? We stick them in a valley where they have no advantage over the enemy. We do not equip them for the, for the battle that they face. They go out there and they're on their own. They go home and their parents are more worried about how they played in sports than they are if they, wrote their, they, read, their, they read their Bible that morning. They're more concerned about what's going to be, what we're going to watch on TV tonight than we are, are we going to have our Bible study and I'm preaching to myself tonight or this morning. God spoke to me this weekend and showed me where I was wicked at. Showed me where I was wicked. He give us everything. We give Him nothing. What, we give Him barely three days? What? That, and out of those three days, if you think that that would have been, what, 72 hours, if I do my math right, of, of hours worth of that day, you take an average of two-hour church services, the three hours that was in the lobby, and then, so you mean you're not even, you're not even equaling up to a full day's worth of giving our life to Him. The Lord convicted me of staying up all night playing rook. He did. He convicted me over that. He said, you can stay up all night and play rook, but you can't stay up all night and read my Bible. Try to read your Bible all night. You're going to catch yourself going. That's what you're going to catch yourself doing. I'm scared this morning, guys. Because I'm preaching to myself more than I'm preaching to anybody. God will not be inquired of by you. I won't listen to you. Mm. There's three times that God, um, it's just a little add-on here, there was three times God used the phrase, lift it up in my hand. I believe you. the first time he says it was because he to give us life. He shows right there in our verses in chapter number 20. He talked about giving us life. He, uh, he lifted up his hand to give us salvation. And lift up his hand to give us that victorious Christian life. Everything they needed was right there where they were at. Everything they needed. Everything they could ever want. They had never hunger. They would never thirst. They would have the presence of God continually with them. Think about that. Could you imagine if we had the Ark of the Covenant today and me and the preacher could have went back there and carried it in here and it had been the presence of God and we set it down? The only effort we would have had was to pick it up. And if it was too heavy for me and the preacher to handle it, look at the men that's in here. We could have all carried it in here. Bailey could have probably put it on his shoulders and carried it in here. It'd been easy to get the, to, to get it in here. That's not how God set it up for us in the New Testament. For us in the church age, that's not how God set it up. God set it up because, you know what, these people, they had to fight against flesh and blood. He said they, they, their mind is focused 100% on, on, on staying alive. 
I mean, they didn't know when the enemy was going to come into their camp and, just, and destroy them. Not just take them prisoner. Because that's what we do to our prisoners. We just take them. We capture somebody in war. We don't kill them. We just put them in prison. When the war's over, we let them go. What how it was back then. They, they would cut their heads off. When they got done with their wives and kids, they'd kill them. It was serious stuff. We fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities of the air. So it's the spiritual warfare that we battle every day. We got to get the high ground on the spiritual warfare. And how do we get the high ground on the spiritual warfare this morning? Pray. Read your Bible. That's simple, ain't it? Ha! Two plus two equals four. That's simple. But that's the hardest thing you will ever do in your entire life is pick this Word of God up and read it on a daily basis. Sure, I mention it today, tomorrow will be easy. A week would maybe be easy because we got revival this week. It's going to be real easy. Man, God's going to stand tomorrow night and He's going to be filled up with the Holy Ghost and we're going to go in Tuesday. I mean, we're going to be like, we're going to be ready to take on hell with a water gun and I mean, we're going to be ready to go. But then next Monday, We may pick it up one time that day. We may ask God, Oh Lord, help us, that car's coming. That's about the only time he ever hears us anyway. Life's quick. If you didn't see 77 this weekend, life is quick. You'd be gone like that right there. It's never too early to get right. Never too early. Never too early to get right. He said, didn't I, uh, didn't I give you a way of escape in verse number 7? He says, I am the Lord your God. That's in chapter number 20. To give them a way out. This is the question not asked. Here's some things that I noticed about um, the difference between Israel in chapter number 20 and Israel in chapter number 37. In chapter number 20, they didn't destroy their flesh. We still, we still see flesh here in chapter number 20. In chapter number 37, the flesh is gone. They didn't destroy the things of the world. They didn't get rid of their cell phones. They didn't get rid of their, their desire to be what the world wants them to be. They, they didn't get rid of all that. You know that? They didn't get rid of all that. You notice over there in chapter number 37, I didn't hear, I didn't, there's nothing there about a stitch of clothing being over there. There wasn't nothing in that valley that was worldly. Nothing in that valley that was worldly. There was no flesh in that valley. There was no worldly things in that valley. But here over here in, ch in chapter number 20, in chapter number 37, there was a big difference. Or there were actually, there was one, I'm sorry, not a big difference, a similarity that I noticed. There was no proof of life in chapter number 20 or chapter number 37. There was no proof of life. Look at our churches today. Where's the proof of life at? Where are they at? In your household. I'm not talking about are you moving around or your kids moving around or your kids breathing. Is the Holy Spirit's heart pumping in your house today? Is He? Mm. God help us this morning. Number two. I ain't, I'm preaching, I don't know if I've ever preached like this before. But it scares me to death, Pastor. Scared to death. Word at what's going to happen if we don't do something. Number two, let's look at the question that was asked. Whew, what a question. What a question that God asked Ezekiel right here. Verse number, verse number three. 
he said these words. Four words. Can these bones live? There's a bunch of bones sitting right here. There's a bunch of bones I see spread out through there. Some little, fragile, tiny bones. Some bones that they don't even know what's going on today. They don't have a clue what God may be doing today. They don't have a clue. They may never remember this service. I've got one sitting back there that's asleep probably right now. He'll never remember this service. He wasn't there in 2016. Can these bones live? In the valley that day, there were three people standing there. Or three types of, of beings, is how I worded it. You had the dead, dry bones that were there. You had the living son of man, Ezekiel. Then you had the almighty God. Today, I see that today. The Holy Spirit is very evident in our church. If you don't know that, preach out a couple of times. Visit another church somewhere. You know the Holy Spirit's here. You know He's here. Mm. There's man here too. There's man here too. Also some bones here too. There's some men of God here. And there's some bones here. I've got a responsibility. That not only did God put it on my life, but our pastor put it on me. I've got a responsibility. I speak to these little kids, the little ones. Three to eleven year olds every Sunday. I got a responsibility to those that is bigger than any of us. It's bigger than me. I've got a responsibility for these that every Sunday at 5.30. Brother Tim, we got a responsibility to these. Miss Vicky, we got a responsibility to these that is bigger than us. It's bigger than anything that I could ever imagine, Brother Tim. It's huge. The responsibility that lays on my shoulders. I don't know who's sitting on this front row. I know their names. I know what the world sees. But I don't know them. I cannot go in on a Sunday morning thinking that every kid is saved. I can't go in at 5 o'clock on Sunday afternoon expecting just because they're there at 5.30 or at 5 o'clock, they're there an hour before the service starts. Just because they're there, that don't make them saved. That don't do it. Coming to church ain't going to cut it. Coming reading your Bible three times a week and that's just following the preacher, and that's probably not even three times a week because he's reading it to you. Never picking up your Bible, but on Sundays is not going to cut it. Your bones are going to dry out. They're going to fall apart, and you'll be unrecognizable in this world. They want a single bone could be recognized by the naked eye in that valley. You couldn't have picked out the commander-in-chief. You couldn't, you couldn't pick out the mighty man of valor that was probably standing in that. The man who's probably killed more men than anybody else in the world could have been in that valley. But you couldn't pick out his bones. He wasn't marked by anything the world showed. Can't mark our bones today. If you died here and your flesh was removed, you'd be a bunch of bones. Be laying here with nothing. 
We hear everywhere we go, everywhere we turn, every time we even think about kids, we think of this, this statement. We have lost our young people. We have lost our young people. We hear this statement. As adults, we have given up on them. As adults, we have lost any hope in them. And you say, preacher, well, I bring my kids to church every Sunday. I ask you a question. When's the last time you took your kids, your teenager to the altar and spread your unworthy body over them and beg God to put a hedge about them? Beg God to convict their hearts if they're lost. Well, my daughter and my son taught Sunday school this morning. It doesn't matter. You don't even know your own kids. You don't know who they are. They close that door and tell you bye and they live a different life. How do you know this, preacher? I done it. I wasn't a bad kid. I knew God. I got saved at six years old. But I was not the same person when I walked out the front door and I closed that door behind me. I was not the same person I was when I was sitting at the dinner table with mom and daddy. I'd done some terrible, awful, wicked things that deserve hell. When's the last time you prayed over your kids? Kids? Talking to myself here. When's the last time you prayed over your parents? When's the last time you got alone in your private place and called your parents' names out to God? Beg God earnestly to do something in their life. Beg God for the finances in the house. Beg God to do something in y'all's family. When's the last time we've done it, church? When is it? Can these bones live? They look dead this morning. There's no proof of life. No heartbeat. There's no movement. Listen, let me give you some statistics here. From ages, there was a survey done in 2016 said between the ages of 18 and 24, there is basically no biblical basis found in our colleges today. The percentage that was there was less than 1% on common knowledge biblical questions. Common knowledge biblical questions. Less, it was less than 1% of what our 18 to 24 year olds knew about their Bible. What they knew about this blessed old book. Our only lifeline between us and God. Our only communication that we have other than prayer sets in our hand and it's the least used tool that we have in our, in our, in our arsenal. Sometimes we pray more than we even read our Bible. We pray more than we... If it's a one-sided conversation, you've heard it for years. It's not a conversation. It takes two lines of communication to make a solid conversation. That's what God wants us to do. Can these bones live? Mm. 20% between the ages of 18 and 24, 20% of them don't even know what faith is. 20% of them said they didn't know what faith was. Could not quote Hebrews 11.1. 1. Could not even quote it. Mm. But America in 2016 
was filled up of 73% of Christians. Somebody explain that to me. 73% of the United States of America that's got their... Our, I mean, you think about the men of God that is on our Declaration of Independence. Men of God who has started our country. Our country was built upon prayer. It was built upon the Word of God. 73% of us say we're Christian, but we have no faith. How can you be a Christian and have no faith? Somebody explain that one. You can't have faith. We don't have, God is not present here with us right now. Faith has not ended. We have to have faith. Faith is everything that exists in me to believe God. It's faith. We've got to have faith, church. Can these bones live? Check this statistic out. 86% of of Americans, 86% of Americans say good works gets people to heaven. 86% say good works, being a good person. The rich man over in Luke chapter number 16, I believe that he was the utmost top citizen of his day. I believe that he was a good man. I believe there's nothing in our Bible that says he wasn't. But he was lost and undone without God. We sit on our church pews today. We let our kids sit on our church pews thinking they're okay. We let our parents sit on the church pew thinking they are okay. Because, you know, they testified one time during a, a song. They testified because the song felt good to them. They testified because it just seemed the right, like the right thing to do. My salvation's more on a testimony. If my salvation was based on my testimony, I'd be in trouble. I'd be in some serious, serious trouble. Because if you look at my testimony, there's not a whole lot there to look at. Can these bones live? That leaves only 14% of America that believes they can be saved. I should have looked at that. I should have looked at the population of America today and figured out what 14% is. Give you that number. Only 14%. 14 out of every 100 people are going to heaven if you look at it like that. Because you don't, you can't make it into heaven on good works. You can't make it to heaven on being a good person. Let's move on. Just remember that word, that phrase. Can these bones live? Let's look at this right here. Then we see the answer given. Oh Lord God, thou knowest. Oh Lord God, thou knowest. God knew, or Ezekiel knew, God could do it. 1 Corinthians 1.9, the Bible says, I thought I had it marked. 1 Corinthians 1.9, let me read it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse number 9. He says, God is faithful by whom we are called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is faithful. God is faithful. Ezekiel knew the power of God. He knew God could do it. He knew it without a shadow of a doubt. So I'm here this morning. I know God can make these bones live again. 
I know He can. I believe with every ounce of my ability that the bones of the church of America can live again. But it's going to take us. It's going to take us doing some things. We've got to get a concern for our kids. We've got to get a concern for our parents. We've got to get a concern for them. You don't know who's sitting on the pew beside of you. I can attest to that. The preacher already mentioned when my wife got saved. He's already mentioned it. We got married and I thought she was saved. I thought she knew God. I mean, she probably prayed more than I did when we got, when we first got married. I'm here to tell you. I mean, I believe that. But I'll also never forget that day where I got real with God back there. Not by saying that's not because, she didn't get saved because of what I'd done. But just so happened, it happened on the night that I decided I was going to get real with God. I remember going into the prayer room on the left-hand side of Northwood Baptist Church, and we went around the backside, and I prayed, God, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. God, change my heart, change my mind, do something in me. Do something in me. The whole service went and God never spoke to me. So I sat back there like I do every service. Smiling, wondering what I'm going to eat after service. And it wasn't eggs and tater tots, I promise you that. (laughs) And I was wondering what I was going to eat after service. Then I felt a tug on my arm. And it was my darling little wife. I'm lost. I got to have God. And I remember tearing out of the pew. We had to get past Debbie and Joe. I thought I was going to have to push them out of my way because they wasn't getting there fast enough. I get down there and Brother Josh steps out. I mean, I mean I've known Brother Josh since I was little. I mean, I've always known Brother Josh. He come over there. He led my wife to the Lord. That day, I remember, I remember Jonathan come running over there and, and I grabbed him and I, he said, what happened? And I said, she got in, pastor or preacher. He wasn't my pastor at the time. She got in. She got it. She got saved. She got glorious saved. You don't know who that person is sitting beside you. It is a serious, serious, serious thing. These scripture here is talking about Israel, the people of God, God's people. This is not a picture of salvation. It's a picture of getting back right with God. That's what this is. But there's a lot of you that's never had life to start out with. You, you can't even be bones because there's no life there. I look out there today and you look at me and you're staring at me and it looks like you're looking and you're, and you're, you're hanging on every word that I'm about to say. But I think you're lost. And you know you're lost. Because you've sat in service after service. You've avoided coming to church. You've stayed at home. You, you said, I just don't feel good when you really felt alright. You talked yourself into being sick on Sunday. So you didn't have to go and fall under conviction. God can. (laughs) He can. I believe it. I've seen it happen. I've seen him do it. That belief, that faith that Ezekiel had right here, where he says, oh Lord God, thou knowest. He said, I know you can do it. I believe that you can do it. I know God can save you. I don't care where you've been last night. I don't care what you've done last night. I believe God can save you this morning. I also believe God can put new life in your bones this morning. I believe He can wrap your bones in flesh and let you attack this world and go out and live the victorious Christian life that God intended us to live. 
Let's look at number four. And lastly, we see the proof showed. Look at verse number seven. It says, so, prophesied, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And, I was, and, and uh, as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. We see the proof shaken. God showed proof here of what he can do. God showed me right here. He said, this is the church of America when I see it. This is the, the teenagers of America that say they're Christians. They're, they're dried up bones. They're doing nothing for me. He said, I need you to be my person to speak to them this morning and tell them that they're dying. Not going to hell. They're going to heaven, but they're dying. And they're letting people die and go off into hell. Can these bones live? Think about this right here. Let's look at Ezekiel. I told y'all I was going to look at the, the church and I talked about y'all we split the church, parents and kids. Let's look at this right here. Look at these. Let's look, parents, let's look at Ezekiel because we all say we're losing our teenagers, right? How many times do we stand behind a pulpit, myself included, saying, they're leaving us, they're, 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 these that sit on this front row in 10 years, when they have families of their own, they're not sitting here. They're not there no more. Turn around and right here and look and just see between the ages of 18 and 34. Wonder how many sitting in here this morning. 18 and 34. There's a few of us. There's a few of us here. Not as many as there should be. Preacher, if you were to take every young person that's ever walked through this church in the past 11 years, you'd about fill it up, couldn't you? Just about fill it up. And if you go back, I wonder of how many of them that's left, they left on their own accord. Or do they leave because mom and daddy was talking about the man of God? How many of them, of our young people, have a sour taste to preachers because of mom and daddy talking about them? How many of them are we going to lose before we learn to shut up? Put our feelings to the side and say, that is my man of God. I will pray for him. I will seek God's face for my man of God. When are we going to do it? Think about this. Ezekiel seen the movement of the bones. Could you imagine what it would have been like that day and, and all of a sudden you started seeing these bones start trembling. And you start seeing this bone come over here to this bone and connect. And this bone that was way over there on the other side of the valley come dragging across through here and connect to this bone that's over here. And, and this bone come connected to this bone. And, 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 it's, and, and, and could you imagine what that was like that day? It could have been the, the, uh, my good, the power of God that was present. That day, we could not handle it if we were to have seen it. Ezekiel seen the movement. Think of the Ezekiel as looking at our parents, us as adults. We can say we've seen the move of God. I don't want to look back at 2016. I don't want to look, I don't look just back at my life when I, was, when I got saved. That was a move of God when I got saved. God took a wretched, hell-deserving sinner... You said you were six years old. I was hell deserving. If God shows you that you were lost and you need Him, it doesn't matter your age. You will die and go off into hell. That's at that moment you reach the age of accountability. Is when God speaks to you and shows you that you're lost. And if you deny Him like I did, you take the risk of your next step being your last one and you ended up into a place called hell. 
That's what happens. Parents, we know what it's like. The ones of us that are saved. We know exactly what it's like. We know what it's like when all of our sins are forgiven. They're all for God, never to be brought up again. We know what that's like. We know what it's like when we see an old drunk come down the aisle and get bold, gloriously saved by the grace of God. We see it. But if Colt's ever going to see it, I've got to get right with God. I've got to spend some time and a long time in my closet to so that he can see it, so that he can remember it. Because if he don't ever see it, he will die and go to a devil's hell. Because of me. Because I let God down. Yes, sir. Did not share the gospel to him. I don't depend on my pastor to tell Cole about the gospel of Christ. I don't depend on the Sunday school teachers to tell him about the God, about the God of glory. It's not their job. It's mine. I'm the man of God. God called me to do it in my house. And I must do it. Or I will stand in front of an angry God one day. Yes, sir. Ezekiel felt God. There was a shaking. He felt God. Oh, I know what it feels like to feel God. Todd McKeon was standing there in the lobby of that hotel room. And he started talking about how God, Jesus said, I have prayed for you. I know what that's like to feel God. I could have tore that lobby apart. Looking back, I probably should have. Because I didn't, but I didn't listen to God. One thing that's irked me, and I hear people say it all the time. Well, I'm about to shout, shout! I'm about to run, run! If God told you to do it, do it! Why do we not have a move of God? Because we make it easy on ourselves. We make it easy on ourselves. We don't intentionally do it, but we make it easy on ourselves. The preacher's talking about preaching on that fig tree over there. Talking about, he mentioned it a little bit this morning. But you get later down that verse, and it was people on the outside of that chapter, there was people on the outside of the synagogue selling things, selling sacrifices. They were just trying, I don't believe they were doing it intentionally, preacher. I think they were doing it just to make it easy on everybody. We've got to stop making it easy on our kids, parents. God wants it to be hard. It's not easy. He wants us to prove the test of time. We can't pray for them. We can't teach them this little repeated prayer and expect them to under know, to know how to pray to God. We gotta teach them how to get along with God. And no, you don't take them into your prayer closet. You just let them see, you, they, you just let them see the represent what happens when you go to your prayer closet. When they don't ever hear you pray about something and yet yeah, it was answered. Imagine if God only answered the prayers that we, that we prayed for in public. Whew. Wouldn't mean a lot of prayers being answered. I'm in in private, I'm sorry. What about God only answered the prayers that we prayed in private? Wouldn't be a lot of the prayers answered then. I believe Ezekiel heard the testifying that day. When them bones became, when they got back to their bones, could you imagine when these, these bones that were dead and they came back to life and started an army of God? Could you imagine the voices that would have been going on that day? They had to be wondering, what just happened? The last thing I remember is I seen a sword coming and cutting my head off. The last thing I remember is I seen a spear being dragged into my heart. Their testifying would have been real that day. We've heard the testifying. But look at this right here. What did the bones see that day? If we're ever going to get it, we got to get hold of it. We've got to listen to God and obey God. If Ezekiel never would have obeyed God that day, those bones would have never lived again. If our kids are ever going to see God, 
They got to see it in us. They got to see all that in us. Right here. This will be in closing. Can we come get a verse of some song, please? The the bones. Let me word it like this. Y'all know what my what I'm trying to get at here. Y'all y'all heard me enough now. Y'all know what I'm trying to say here. So I'm gonna word it like this. That day when they became this is after Ezekiel obeyed God. All of this was after. Parents, this is after we obey God. After we get along with God. After we do what God tells us to do, this is what He'll do. Our kids will hear the voice of God. Oh, Lord. How bad I want Colt to hear the voice of God. How bad I want little Marie to see the voice of God. How bad I want every kid sitting on this front pew. Every last one of them. How bad I want them to hear the voice of God. They never hear the voice of God. That means they never got saved. I want them to hear the voice of God. Hmm. I want them to feel God. I want them to feel God. I don't want, I don't want no easy, easy believism or, 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 or emotionalism. I don't want none of that. I don't want them to stand up here and shout and run the aisles because there was some song played. But I want them to shout and run the aisles because they realized that God prayed for them. That's what I want them to see. And then one day, when we go off the scene, it's not our time no more. They'll stand up and they'll pick up a mantle. There's some mantles that's going to fall one day. There's a mantle that's going to fall very shortly. He's my neighbor. He stood in his pulpit and preached my ordination service. Prayer warrior. Oh, honey, he's a prayer warrior. I believe he prayed for me this morning. I do. That's my grandpa. His mantle is not far from falling. I look at my family and I look at the ones that could pick up the mantle. Oh, God. Oh, God. Ain't none of them in church. Ain't none. I've heard them testify. I've heard my aunts and uncles stand in church and testify. I've heard them stand there. Oh, God, help us. I've heard them stand there. I've heard them stand and brag on God. Oh, God, I've heard them. I remember I want to be just like that one day. Oh, God, they're not even in church today. Oh, God, I see their kids. Their kids don't even know who God is. Oh, God. Oh, God, help us, God. There's a mantle that's going to fall. These kids right here are going to pick them up one day. But they got to be ready. I got a responsibility. Oh, God. This is, I don't even know what else to say. I don't know what else to do but to get my little wife to come around the altar. Beg God to keep me right. Oh, God. That's all I know to do, Brother Stan. That's it. That's all I know to do. This thing's bigger than me. Robert is bigger than me. That's all I know to do, honey. Will you come, please?